How you guys doing? Good? Yeah. So Becky and I had a deal. I thought we had a deal. I have, that last song, she's not, we're not supposed to sing that where I have to walk into that deal. I've, for the last five minutes, I've been standing over there kind of a, in a good way, a weepy mess. It takes me a moment to recover from that song. There's something about it. So, um, hey, can we do something, those of us who are here in the room? This is, can we just like welcome the people who are watching online? Would you join me in that? Glad you're here. Those of you here in person, those of you who are here online, if you are newer with us, those of you who are in the room, um, we'd love to know you're here. And there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You could shoot that with your phone and that takes you to our digital connect card or you could um, just go out into the hallway after church. There'll be somebody at our welcome desk out there and we'd love to meet you. And for those of you who are online, if you wanna hit the connect button, that'll get you connected to our digital card. And we'd, again, we'd love to be able to help connect you. If there's something we could be praying for you about, a way that we could serve you, questions we could answer, we would love to do that for you. So thanks for doing that. Um, so we're in this, this series as we head towards summer um, called What If He Does? And this is, this is one of my favorite series that we do every year. And this series is about promises that God has made to us and really the approach that we take to his promises. Because his promises to us, they, they lead us places maybe where we, they're outside of our comfort zone. Require a little courage, a little, little bit of something from us to follow him where his promises will take us. And so what we tend to do, our natural response to a promise that God makes us is to wonder, well, what, what if he doesn't come through for me? What's my life gonna be like if God doesn't come through for me? And so we end up you know, either saying no to the invitation that God makes to us through these promises, or we craft some plan Bs, safety nets for ourselves, and we really miss out on what God is offering to us. And so this series is about promises of God, but really taking a different approach to it, asking the question, like, what if he does? What if God actually comes through on the promises that he's made? What if he does what he said he would do? What can my life be like? What could I experience? What could be true for me and for the people who are around me if God, like what if he does? And so we're looking at different promises that God makes to us. And this week, I wanna talk with you about a promise that God makes to us about his word, about when he speaks to us, promise that he makes connected to his word for your life and for my life. So to jump into that, I wanna start by reading to us from Isaiah chapter 55. And I'm gonna read verses 10 and 11, and we're gonna kinda pick these apart a little bit over the next few minutes as we talk through these things together. So Isaiah 55, the ancient prophecy, ancient prophet Isaiah, about 750, 800 years before Jesus was born, is writing these things, speaking for the Lord. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So it's gonna take us a little bit to get through all that, but if I could just kinda give you a, a summary of this promise that God makes in these verses here. The promise that he makes to us is that, that his word, my word, brings capital G good to your life and to my life. His word brings capital G good, not, not little g good like what you and I would classify as good or the kind of good that we would hope for or dream up for us, but like capital G, God's kind of good, into 
our lives, like that's, that's what his word does. And he, he speaks so that you and I can experience his good. So what I wanna do is walk through a few ideas that are present in these verses that we just read, and I'm gonna kinda support them with some other scripture, and hopefully these other scriptures will be encouraging to you. And really my goal in our time together today is, is for you and I to, to finish this time with, with ears that are open and hearts that are soft towards what God would say to us and through us into the lives of other people. All right, so, so let's talk about a few things here. First, like the first thing that I think we just gotta be amazed about is that God speaks, that, that God speaks. He is, he is so far above and beyond us, a little further up in the chapter that we just read, one of the things that God says about himself, he says, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's where I'm above you like that. And, and so you and I would never, we would never bump into God just going about our everyday life if he didn't make himself known to us. And so in his, in his love for us, in his grace towards us, he speaks to us. And there's a number of ways that he speaks. I've got four on the screen for you that are just kind of, these are the four primary ways that God speaks. First is in his creation. And he's, he speaks through the world that he has made. In Psalm 19, the first six verses talk about the heavens, how the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and they do, I mean, if you, if you walk out and look at a night sky, it's had to come from somewhere, right? This had to start, and, and would you begin to process and think through what, where, where, what must the one that this came from be like? So Mark Batterson wrote this book called Whisper, and he's talking about the different ways that God makes himself known, speaks to us, and really enjoyed the book, read it a number of years ago. One of the things that stuck with me from that book is, you know, the first thing that God says recorded for us in the scriptures is let there be light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the first, he says, let there be light. And there was light. And we have, best we know, physicists, scientists, really smart people, we have this ever expanding universe from that one sentence. Like the, the power with which God speaks when he says, let there be light, not just a little light bulb came on, but like there is, there is light that continues to expand every time, like when we develop the ability to look farther, we, there's still light out there. And, and this God, he speaks to us, he speaks to us through his creation. If you spend some time outside and just like listen to what he says and what he makes known about himself and what he has made for us, he speaks through his creation. He certainly speaks to us through the Bible. And this is, we would call this, like creation, we would call that general revelation where God makes himself known in, in some very general ways. In the Bible, he makes himself known specifically, or we call it specific or special revelation. And again, in Psalm 19, that beautiful little chapter, first six verses talk about how God has made himself known through creation, starting verse seven it walks down and talks about how God has made himself known through the Bible, through his written word. And so he communicates to us most clearly in black and white, most easy to discern, like he speaks to us through his word. He also speaks to us through his spirit, God the Holy Spirit, so God is a trinity. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and his spirit communicates with our spirit. In that little book that Mark Batterson just referenced a minute ago, the title is Whisper, because that's kind of how the spirit of God speaks to us, his spirit to our spirit, just in these gentle whispers that we have to listen for and giving you some scripture there that kind of talks about how some of that is. And then God also speaks to us through other Christian people. And that one is, that's intriguing to me that, that there are other people in your life and in my life, and sometimes it's in a, a room like this where there's a person on a stage and you know somebody's talking and a bunch of people are listening, and, and sometimes it's in a small group, and sometimes it's just when hanging out, having coffee together, you know, not anything official for church or ministry, but God will speak. He will speak to and through his people to one another, and that's one of the big reasons that we need each other in our lives is that, that God makes his, his will, his way, his blessing, his goodness known to us through other Christian people. And so but I, just, I don't want us to lose the, the amazingness of this, this God who, who speaks. And that, that he, he speaks, and when he speaks, he doesn't, he doesn't just talk to hear himself. You know, he, when he speaks, he speaks for a purpose. Like when, when God speaks, he speaks to accomplish his purposes. We read that in these verses in Isaiah chapter 55. He said, when, when I speak, my word goes out and accomplishes the things that I want it to accomplish. And so one of the scholars I read for our time together today, just in prep, and his name is Derek Kinder, Kidner. Derek Kidner, and he, he kind of talks about when when God's purposes, he speaks, he, give, he gives three categories. He talks about um, declaration, and then he talks about instruction and invitation. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna use two of those three. So the first thing God does when God speaks for his own purposes, sometimes he just declares what's gonna happen. He is, he is God, he is creator, he is sovereign, he is king, and, and he just says, this is what I'm gonna do, and it's to reveal himself, his heart, his future action, his future plan, and we're here as created beings under him, and he's not looking at us and saying, hey, could I have your permission to do this, or what do y'all think about this? He just says, hey, this is, this is the way it's gonna be. And, and he makes declaration in Exodus chapter three, verses seven and eight. He, de he declares, he, sees, he says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God just, he, he comes onto the scene and says, hey, I see, I hear, I know, I'm concerned about, and I am going to rescue. And there's, there's really nothing Pharaoh or his armies or anybody else can do about this. He just makes this declarative statement, and, and in that, he reveals about himself. Like I'm, I am the God who is intimately engaged with what's going on in the lives of my people, and I hear them, and I see them, and I know, and I am a rescuer. And he's, he declares that. In Isaiah 46, he's comparing himself to the idols of other nations. He's just kind of raising himself above the gods that 
people and people tend to worship. And one of the things that he says about himself, he says, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. And, and he is a God who declares. He just says this is, this is how it starts and this is what's gonna happen in the middle and this is what's gonna happen at the end. And you and I can, like we can, we can read that, hear that, we can listen to that, we can, we can line our lives up in accordance with that, but it's a declarative statement. God speaks for his own purposes and he, he wants, like he just says, this is, this is how it's gonna go. So that's, that's the declaration. And then the second piece, when God speaks, there's also invitation in that. And, I, and I've really just kind of, from Kidner's categories, I've, I've kind of merged instruction and invitation because even the instructions, I believe God's instructions to us are invitations for us to be able to engage with him, to engage in the kind of life that he wants us to have, to be able to live out the fullness of who he is and what he created us for. And so it's all an invitation to us. And so God makes these invitations to us when he speaks. And, and one of the things he wants to accomplish when, he's, when he speaks is to let you know you're invited to participate in his life. And so at the beginning of this chapter that we're using as our jump in point, Isaiah chapter 55, God issues this invitation. He says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. And it's just this beautiful invitation, this spiritual invitation. You don't have to have, like, you don't have to have anything to receive everything. He's, he, he, he holds himself, his life, rescue, salvation, forgive. Like, he just holds it out and says, the price of all this is just coming and taking it. And, and so there's this beautiful invitation that he issues. Jesus issued a similar invitation to a group of people who were just, who were worn out. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And again, so he speaks for his purpose to invite you to invite me in to receive from him what he wants to give to us. And it's, it's not just, he doesn't just speak to, to be declared, to be heard so that he can hear himself. He speaks so that you and I know who he is and what kind of God he is and the offers that he makes to us. And he speaks, he speaks. And people who hear are, are radically changed. So God speaks, he speaks to accomplish his own purposes and then the third thing he speaks, he speaks for our good. He speaks for our good. He speaks so that you and I can flourish. In Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, I've just kind of slimmed it down here a little bit. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. Of all the images that God could have chosen to communicate his word and how it accomplishes his purpose, he chose this one. That it comes down from heaven like the rain and it soaks into the ground and it causes it to bud and to flourish. He could have said, 
like lightning comes down from heaven and hits the earth and chars everything around it. That's what my word comes down. He could have said that. He said, you know, as a tornado drops out of the clouds and hits the earth and churns and tears and destroys, so my word. And he didn't choose those kind of images. He chose this image of as, as rain and snow come down and they just saturate the ground and, and then it buds and flourishes. And that's, that's the purpose of God speaking into, into your life and into my life. What his, what his great desire for you and for me is, is that, that we would flourish. Not that, not that we would feel shame, not that we would feel condemnation, not that we would be bored, but that we would, that we would flourish is, is what, he, what he desires for us and is the good that comes to us because he speaks. So he speaks to us for our good so that we can flourish. He also speaks to us so that we can be restored. There is, there is the power of restoration in, in God's word. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse four, through his power, glory, and goodness, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Because God speaks for our good, because he makes very great and precious promises to us, inviting us to participate in his life, what you and I have the opportunity to do is to participate in the divine nature. Not, like this isn't some like tap in, like you've got divinity in you and your inner God or your inner goddess. This isn't, like this isn't that at all. That's, that will lead you nowhere. Like, there's no life down that path. This is, this is participating in the divine life that God himself is sharing his life with us. And because he makes these very great and precious promises to us, we get to say yes to that and participate in this life that he is offering and, and we get to escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. If you were here last weekend, we talked about Genesis chapter three, where Adam and Eve, our first parents, desired something that was bad for them Apart from what God had said, all this goodness before you, here's the thing I don't want you to engage with, and their evil desires corrupted our world, and you and I live in suffering because of that, and we share in that evil desire, that desire to walk away from God, and, and we have been given these very great and precious promises from God so that we can be rescued from this world that has been corrupted by our evil desires and participate in the life that God created us to have. And so when God speaks, he speaks to us so that, so, that we can, so that we can flourish and so that we can be restored to, he created us in his image. And because of these evil desires and because of this corruption, like his image in each one of us has been totally defaced. And and what he is in the business of doing is in the process of doing for us is he is restoring us and restoring that divine image in us so that we get to participate in his divine nature in the kind of life that he created us to live. 
And so God speaks for his own purposes and for our good so that we can flourish, so that we can be restored. And then this other thing for us, for our good is so that, so that we can be ready. So we can be ready for what, for what he has in front of us. For every good, every capital G good thing that is present now and is in your future. God has spoken to us so that we could participate in that, so we could be ready for it. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. We are told that all scripture is God breathed. It's breathed out by God. So it's very words of God speaking specifically of his Bible, and it is useful. It's it's not irrelevant. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God has spoken so that you and I can be ready to to receive and to participate in every good, capital G, work that he has in front of us to do. And looking through those, there's four little words there for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, those four ideas. So teaching, teaching is about what we believe. And so God has spoken so that we believe the right things. Because truth, this is, this is not a culturally accepted statement, but truth does not reside in me. And it doesn't just, it doesn't reside in you, it, is communicated to us, capital T truth is communicated to us from God, so he has given us his words so that we actually know what to believe. So we, we believe what is true, not just what we think is true. And so his word is useful for teaching, it's useful for rebuking, which talks about our behavior, because as we're headed our own way, we're engaged in some things, thinking, acting, that are not for life, divine nature kind of stuff. And so God speaks to us and he, he rebukes us so that where we're off his way so that we get on his way. For correcting, this is where, this is where we're off base and what we believe. And so there's this correction that happens for us. And these, these middle two ideas that, that seem negative, they're not negative at all because we can't participate in divine nature. We can't flourish if we're just kind of doing things our own way. We, there has to be, because we start our own way, so there has to be a process by which you and I learn, like this is the way that we go and God has spoken to us so that we know, like, hey, this is the way. Not that, this. This is the way, and then that last little bit is training in righteousness about how we ought to live. And so we, we have God speaking into our lives through his word so that you and I sow that, and the sow that is really important, so that, that the servant of God, the people of God, the people who say, yes, I'm in, God, you are, you are my God, so that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work, because God has amazing stuff for you to be part of. He, the life that you're experiencing today, wherever it is, he has more and better for you in the future, and he wants you to be ready for that. And so he gives you this invitation to participate in what he has said so that you can be ready for what he's gonna have for you to be part of in days to come. And so, so he speaks 
and he speaks for his own purposes, but also for our good so that we can be ready when it is our time to step in to what he has for us. And so we've been given this beautiful promise that, that God's word, it's, it's going to accomplish his kind of good in our lives. And so, so the question we gotta ask of this is, well, what if he does? Right? What, if, what if God really speaks and what if in his speaking, not only does he accomplish his own purposes for it, but he speaks for our good? So what if that's true? If God speaks and he speaks in multiple ways and he speaks for our good? I got a few suggestions for us. I think these are helpful. They've been helpful for me in, in giving and in receiving. So the first thing, if God speaks and he speaks through his people, don't hold back when you have something encouraging or something life-giving to say to someone. Now, if you got something critical and something cutting, you should like, right? But, but if, you have, if you have words of encouragement, if you have words that give life to somebody else, if you're gonna blow some wind into their sails, that's likely from the Lord. It's probably not the devil telling you to go say these good things. To, like, this is... This is one of the ways that God breathes life into his people is through his other people. And so if you, if you have something encouraging or life-giving to say to someone else, like don't hold that back. Even if it feels weird, even if you're not sure you know him well enough, even if you don't even know if it's 100% right, like that's okay. Go, go breathe some life into somebody else. Let the Lord breathe his life into people through you. That's first. The second one is to engage the Bible with a sense of wonder and expectancy. That might be different than those of you who've been around Christianity, church, whatever for a while, that might be different than some of the ways that you've engaged the Bible. Sometimes we engage the Bible with a sense of obligation. Sometimes we engage the Bible with a sense of, of shame or guilt. Sometimes we engage the Bible bored before we ever get there, if you've tried these things in the past and it just hasn't gone well for you. But if God really speaks, and if all scripture is breathed out by God for our good, so that we can flourish and so that we can be restored and so that we can be ready for what he has in front of us, then, then like that ought to be the framing for which we engage with the Bible, that we would come to it with a sense of expectancy and wonder, I wonder what God's gonna say in this, I wonder what he's gonna say to me, I wonder what's gonna happen in me because I'm engaging with this today. And so if you've never engaged before or if that has not been your experience, because I've grown up in this stuff and I've had several trial runs at, at engaging with the Bible and the life-giving, the life-giving engagement with the Bible. This, this for me, this is one of the prayers that I pray at the beginning of my time with God's words from Psalm 119, verse 18. It's a request from the Lord, would you open my eyes so that I can see the wonderful things that are in what I'm about to read? Would you, would you, would you help me see what you want me to see in this? You spoke. You spoke, would you speak to me in this and would you give me eyes to see this? And then, there's, here's an easy starting place. 
Because sometimes when we begin to engage with the Bible, you start at the very beginning. It makes perfect sense, right? You would start at the very beginning of a book, but the Bible isn't just one book, it's 66 books all compiled together into one kind of an anthology. And so if you start at the beginning, you might be interested, but you might not be interested in the stuff that's at the beginning part of that. And after about the second month, I'm pretty sure you're not gonna be interested. When you get to Leviticus and Numbers, those of you who know these things, like that is the spot where Bible reading plans go to die. <laughs> and so, so like start, somewhere, start somewhere easy to engage. And I think one of the easiest spots to engage is the Gospel of Mark. It's, it's short, it is action-packed, it's about Jesus, it's about his life, there are people in the scenario, there's not a ton of conversation to get bogged down in. It's, it's just kinda, when Mark wrote that gospel, like he was writing it for people maybe with short attention spans or people who just kinda wanted to get to things quickly. And if that's you, like the gospel of Mark is a great spot to, to start. And then a great resource, there's a couple of different apps. One is the Bible app, which I use every day. There's some great Bible reading plans in the Bible app. And then there's this other one, I put it on the screen for you, it's the Read Scripture app. And the beauty, in my mind, of the Read Scripture app is they have about seven minute video introduction to each of the books of the Bible. There's 66 of them, and so if, you, if you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what am I reading here? Where did this come from, and what is the purpose of this? There's about a seven minute very creatively done. It's not just a dude standing in front of a camera or a lady standing in front of a camera, just talking like it is it's a hand drawing some things out and it's like it's memorable and and so it helps you connect with okay what am I because it's ancient literature so what am I getting into here and and so grab yourself a resource and start somewhere that is easy and ask God to show you what he wants you to see because he spoke and he's speaking and he wants you to flourish because of all that and then this what if he does what if he's what if he's really speaking, and what if his, much of his communication is an invitation? Whether he's telling me to start something, telling me to stop something, telling me to keep going in this way, telling me like, here's some, come over here. My answer to his invitation is yes. As he invites me into his life, my answer to that is yes. Is he speaking to me, whatever he's saying? My answer to that is yes, because yes is the answer that leads to life. The kind of, not the kind of life that you would maybe script out for yourself, but the kind of life that God has scripted out for you so that you experience all that he wants to give to you. Your father speaks for his purposes for your good, so we should, we should listen to him. So I wanna pray for you, and then I have a few questions for you to kind of reflect on that I think are really important for us. So, Father, thank you for making yourself known to us. Thank you for your willingness to communicate. You are, you are the God who speaks, and we wanna be people who hear and respond. And so I pray that you would, that you would give us ears to hear. Jesus said that over and over again. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And, and we said, we wanna hear. That you would give us ears to hear what you're saying and that you would give us hearts that are soft towards you so that our answer to you, the invitations that you issue to us is yes. At the end of all that is life for us. 
So we thank you that you're the God who sees, you're the God who hears, you're the God who knows, you're the God who comes to rescue. And, and you have said you're doing that for us, so we are banking on that. You do all that for us through Jesus. Jesus, you're our only hope. So we hope in you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so some questions for you. As you think through, process this. First question is, do you, do you agree that God really speaks? And why or why not? So if, as you process that, if you haven't landed on that answer yet, you think something differently, that's okay. As, so do you agree that God really speaks? Why or why not? When you think about God speaking to you, what do you think is the expression on his face and the tone of his voice as he speaks? And why? So it might cause you to unpack maybe a little bit of baggage that you have or, or you know, teaching that you've received in the past. Or, so as you think about God communicating with you, what's the what's his tone of voice and what's the look on his face when he's speaking to you? I think that makes what you believe about God and, and his tone of voice and facial expression, I think, I think it means a lot. It means a lot to your willingness to say yes to the invitations that he's made. What do you think about God speaking to someone else through you? You know, how does that make you feel to, that God would speak through you to somebody else? And then this last question, is there anything that you need God to speak into for you? So remember, we are talking about, we are talking about the God who said, let there be light. And there was light from that first day to this one. That kind of, that kind of power, that kind of, that kind of goodness, that, that kind, of, kind of love that he has for you. Is there, is there anything that you need God to speak into for you? And as you admit, acknowledge, invite somebody else into that with you, I think that's gonna be a really powerful thing.